to Festival Corner podcast. In this episode, our guest is Richard Renner, who is the festival producer of the Lawrence Basker Festival in the States. Richard and I talk about the brief history of the city of Lawrence and the Basker Festival, the challenges and delights of producing a festival, the first female Basker Festival, Basker culture in the States, and many more. I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. Let's dive in. Welcome to fourth episode of Festival Corner podcast and I am your host Dilara. Today I am with R- Richard Renner from Lawrence Basker Festival. Welcome Richard. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm happy to interview with you as well. So, do you want to introduce yourself first? Well, my name is uh, Richard Renner and I am for purposes of this podcast, I am the director of the Lawrence Busker Festival. I do other things as well. I'm I'm a performer myself, mm-hmm. but uh, but uh, what I'm here to talk about is being a producer. Yes, yeah, we will talk about the festival production side of the things today. So, do you want to introduce the Lawrence Busker Festival to us? Like, can you give us a brief history about the festival? A brief history. Yeah. Well, started in 2008 when uh, I was living in Lawrence. I'd moved back here. This is a college town, and I'd gone to college here, and I moved back here about 30 years after I graduated. Mm-hmm. And 2008, I don't know if people will remember, but there was a recession going on. Mm-hmm. There was a global recession, and I had lost uh, probably about 60 to 70% of my work. And so I was walking around a lot doing nothing mm-hmm. and trying ways to make more money. Mm-hmm. And I was walking downtown Lawrence, which is, we have a beautiful historic downtown area. I mean, a lot of great shops and people adore it. And it's a, just a wonderful place to go hang out. And I'm walking around downtown and I thought, well, I can do street shows. I, I, no one has to hire me. I can do it whenever I want and I make money, you know, and, you know, make some income here. And as I, started walking around and taking a look around, I realized that, that you know, that this place really could use a whole festival to kind of kickstart the idea of street performing in downtown Lawrence, Kansas. And with that idea, I went to the director of the Downtown Lawrence Incorporated Association, the association of all the stores downtown, and I told her my idea, and she said, I think that's a great idea. I'm going to give you some money. Okay. Well, wow, nice. <laughs> easy. Easy. That easy. So, um, so we started the first year. Uh, it was just a weekend, and uh, we started the first year on two thousand dollars, and we hired nothing but local performers, closed off a street, and put had people there. We had we knew absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. We. Picking up trash, or, <laughs> or you know, or bathrooms, or power supplies, or PA's, or anything. It was just bare bones, and people liked it mm-hmm. and enough that I said, "Okay, well, we'll do it again next year." And we've been doing it every year since then for about sixteen years. Wow! Like, yeah. So you are the person, like the all. You are the main person, all everything behind. So. Congratulations, like it is a very, very like brave move. Wow, I didn't know that. Also, 
Thank you. Thank you for the giving us the story. So, like, I wondered that you told that, you know, it started with the locals. How did it become international festival? Um, I started, well, I started inviting more artists who had gone to international festivals mm -hmm. and coming here. It actually started, we, we were doing mainly local performers for the first couple of years. And then I was contacted by a woman named Lindsay Lindbergh, who did an act called Mama Lou Strong Woman. Mm -hmm. Grown up in Kansas City, which is just a few miles down the road from us. And she said, I want to come back to my hometown and I want to do your festival. And she was one of these acts that had toured and gone around internationally to perform. And so when she came here, it kind of stepped us up a notch to using other performers and local ones. And she helped me contact other performers mm -hmm. and resource and, and referred people and said, they've got a great thing going on here. You should show up and see it. And, and with her, with her referral, we were able to get other, other great performers. Wow. All right. So I wondered that, like, how many performers do you have each year? Is it growing or do you have a certain number for the festival? We, well, I advertise <laughs> that we have about 20 different acts, but that, that includes a lot of musicians who are local. We, we mm -hmm. tap into the music scene. Lawrence is a great arts, arts uh, city. We have a lot of musicians, visual artists, performing artists here and things like that. So I tap into the local music scene and I'm able to draw a lot of musicians there. But as far as variety performers, I would say we go anywhere from nine to twelve, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, are they like coming from the street theater background or circus? Oh well, I, a little bit of both, you know. Uh, it, most of them are street performers. I I do when I look for a performer, I do require that they have street experience mm -hmm. because don't then it can be. It can be a rather harsh learning lesson <laughs> yes. for someone who's never been the street before. There's a great story, maybe you've heard of it, Delaire, about Joshua Bell, who's a, who's a violinist, a very famous violinist. And Joshua, he dressed up in regular clothes and went down to the New York subway and just started playing for tips. Mm -hmm. And he's just so world-class violinist and he couldn't make any more than three dollars in tips and the takeaway that the article i was reading about joshua bell doing this said that people just don't recognize great talent well my takeaway was no joshua bell doesn't know how to work the street yeah <laughs> he just doesn't know how to work the street it is my contention that anyone who knows how to work the street can have any kind of skill they have no skill, you know, but if they know how to present themselves on the street, then yes, they can make money. Yeah. So that's what I, I look for when I go to look for an artist is how well do they know the street, you know? All right. Like you mentioned that the locals are not very familiar of like, are they, do they know about the busking culture in Lawrence or? Oh, no, about it now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks to I, you. 
process of education for the community. But like I said, Lawrence is a rather unique cultural community that they embrace anything different. They embrace anything unusual. And we are uh, steeped in that. I mean, the, the city was founded by people from, from Massachusetts who wanted to come here and stop slavery and, you know, and just stop slavery. And so they were progressive in mind and, mm -hmm. and just ready to embrace all the new and unusual things that this area had to offer. So busking was just a, Oh, look, street performers. <laughs> That's cool. Let's go yeah. see them. You know? Oh yeah. It is nice because I was thinking like, this is something in my case, like I'm always giving this exa example because in Turkey, like nobody knows about the, street theater and then I always wondered that how people succeed to make it familiar to the people like do you have do you have any recommendations for the other producers in this case how to, how to get how to get the family audience to the yes. festival yeah well I, I've heard uh, I've heard it on your podcast as well from the other producers the fact that it's free to attend yeah I'm, I promote that heavily I mean I, I, a lot of these people, these families, if they want to go to a professional baseball game, they can easily spend, for a family of five, they will probably spend $80 to $100 just to do that. And they can come to our festival, and they may end up spending $80 to $100, but that's on things that they choose to spend it on. It's not, you know, there's no admission price or a mandatory fee for this or that. Anything like that. So I, I say it's all free. You know, bring your kids, you know, show them. This is an introduction to theater. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for the street theater that I first saw when I was in college, I wouldn't have gone on to be a variety performer myself either. So I'm hoping that this is the inspiration that people in our town need. Yeah. That's right, though. Like, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for your answer in this sense. So I just like, let's talk about your daily routine in the festival. How things go, your daily routine in the, during the festival. So oh, do, boy. You, <laughs> do you have a, do you have a team or just by yourself? I do have a team. I do have a really good team involved. Uh, I've, I've got a, uh, we have vendors at our festival, mm -hmm. and so I'm a vendor coordinator. I've got a volunteer coordinator, because volunteers as well. And then I've got, uh, on our pitches, I have uh, stage managers. I call them stage managers, but they basically, well, they manage the pitch. They're pitch managers. That's what they are. And, and most of them are sound engineers, so they work the PAs. Mm-hmm able to provide the buskers a level of support that sometimes they don't get at other festivals. I mean, like we have one guy who is who fixed several microphones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, instantaneously. Yeah. Because the sound engineer, he knew exactly how to fix these microphones. And you just won't find that at some, some other festivals. I, so I find that level of support works. My part in it is to be the guy that tells everybody what to do. <laughs> and 
I've often, I've often said, I've often said that I've been out there emptying trash sometimes. Yeah. And I said, what happens when I, when you forget to tell somebody to do this, yeah. you know, you end up doing all the things you forget to tell somebody else to do. But yeah, my, my part is just to maintain a certain level of, uh, busyness and organization in the festival so there's something happening and it looks good and i do obviously i do all the prep work i start probably our festival is in may so i start in december mm-hmm. you know all the development getting all the funding getting all the permits mm-hmm. getting ways talking to all the businesses yeah it's so it's hard job it is a hard job do you find it like interesting as a street performer also like seeing the, this part of the festival production how do you think about it well you know delara i i was trained in theater and um i learned how to juggle and ride a unicycle and still walk and things like that never in my wildest dreams that i think i i would have to know about power supplies and porta potties. Oh my god. <laughs> so, I know a whole lot about power supplies and porta potties. And yeah. and I also know a whole lot about sponsorships uh-huh. and and grant writing and things like that. And that was never never the plan oh. in my life. It just happened. It just it, it became something that was necessary so I did it. Mm-hmm. Um But do you enjoy it, like you know, or is I, it challenging? I enjoy, yes, I yes, I do. It, it it is a lot of work, but I absolutely enjoy it because I know the effect it will ultimately have. That, I'll be honest with you. There were many years, especially in the beginning, where I didn't get paid anything. Mm-hmm. We needed every penny we had for everything else, and invariably, at one time during the festival, I'd be sitting there watching a show. And I'd hear the audience just erupt and laughter and applause and, and things like that. And and I get this chill in my chest when I'd hear that. And I and I said to myself that I just got paid. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a lovely story. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So I'm I'm still trying to get paid. <laughs> But it's still worth having that chill in my chest at one point when It, and it, I never know when it's going to happen during the festival. It could happen anytime. Just when I realize, oh my gosh, this is working. People, yeah. people are. Yeah, it is a, like a yeah. I also like talk with the Martin Hills from Germany, and then he also said that like it is so challenging to deal with the finances most of the time. But when you see the audience and then faces and then when you see people are coming back to festival everything, you know, it is everything. It is just gives the satisfaction of also the motivation you need. So, yeah, I think it is also really one of the delights of the being a producer, just seeing happy faces. So, yeah. like, do you have, like, do you face with any challenges during the festival? We have challenges that change every year. Every year seems to be a different challenge. Um, the weather always is a challenge. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Well. That later on, that I'll tell you. Um, the weather is always the challenge. Um, oh, one year, I had a lot of performers. I had scheduled a lot of performers coming in from um, from Europe and from Australia. And our visa application got delayed. Oh. 
and they weren't able to make it in time. So that was a big challenge. Last year, we opened up a brand new, a, a new site plan. So it was the festival, instead of just being this part of the downtown and this part of the downtown and this part of downtown, all kind of scattered out, it was all joined into one area. And that became a bit of a challenge, but it was, it made it our best year ever. Yeah. So, so challenge, challenge accomplished. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, many challenges during, during the every, every year is a different challenge. I never, I never quite know what the problem is going to be. COVID, obviously. Yeah. I was going we, to ask you COVID, like how, what did you do during yeah, the COVID we, time? We missed a year. Uh, because of COVID, and then when we came back, we had it in September instead of May, mm-hmm. and that uh, rather well. But even then, uh, um, just some of the travel plans that some of the buskers had, um, like they had to be tested before they could get on the airplane, and this test took three days, and we had to get the results from this test in, in time for them to get on their plane. And oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah, it's <is> so <laughs> stressful. I, I can imagine that. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. The COVID was like, yeah, another thing like we needed to face, but we survived somehow. But We're here. We are here yeah. and then the festivals are going on. So they I am, I am, I am very grateful for that. But also it was a very hard time for like street performers, also producers as well. Also like just not for us, maybe all the entertainment industry. It was a tough right. time. So you mentioned about the sponsors, like you are working with the sponsors, you are trying to get sponsors. How do you do that? Can you? Well, uh, um, uh, what I found is that uh, sponsors like to know what, what they're going to get out of it. Mm-hmm. What are we, it's a nice festival and it's fun. We, we love going, but if we give you all this money, what are we going to get out of it? And so I share with them basically my marketing plan, which is how much social media we're going to do how much radio how much even billboards mm-hmm. like that how, you know what we're going to do for them and i and i tell them your name is going to be on each and every one of these items you you will get exposure this way and and then during the festival itself we will actually the stage managers will be announcing your name on each pitch mm-hmm. so there's a big presence and you get associated with something pretty darn cool you know, yeah. there's a lot of good, there's a lot of goodwill towards the festival. So we get, uh, so we get, uh, you know, an association with, uh, they get associated with that. Our main sponsor happens to be the brewery, the beer, mm-hmm. beer town, and they're more than happy to be associated with us because it just enhances their brand and, and they sell a lot of beer at our festival too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can guess that. Wow. So I just wonder, like, this is something I don't know very more, but I know, like, the some of the, maybe, like, street performers are listening to this podcast, also producers are listening to this podcast, also, like, sponsors, finances are a very big deal. So I hope, you know, they can learn from you as well. That's the reason why well, I, I ask it. I, I try to let them know that, you know, what they're going to get for their money. Yeah. Worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Thank you for this. So I also want to ask you that, like you mentioned about the happy memories. Do you have any 
happy memories from the festival from beginning to end? Like, well, can you share a couple like, of us with us? Like, like hearing the applause and things like that, that's always the high point of the festival for me. Um, one of my happiest memories was uh, there's an element of street performance that says you accept anything that happens. It's it's kind of like an improvisation. Uh-huh. Don't deny it. It's yes and. And I watch street performers deal with the interruptions and the the you know the things that that come into their into their area when they're performing and they mm-hmm. deal with it and just it enhances their thing. So during the we did the all female busker festival in uh, 2019 I think it's 2019 or 2018 I can't remember. But we did that then and and the Friday night that we started there was a torrential thunderstorm. Oh. I mean buckets of rain coming down and it wasn't one of those just gone in a half an hour it was lasting for hours i was i was chasing barricades down the street they were floating away this whole time and the the women all took it upon themselves mm-hmm. to go to the arts center uh which is was in along one of the pitches that we had and they have an auditorium they took it upon themselves to go to the art center and ask them if they could do a group show that night in the auditorium wow. and and they made that work oh. they made that work. i was just so impressed i was just so impressed i mean just their ability to pull it together and put put on a show in the middle you know i, I was i was everything else was closing down outside mm-hmm. well. managed to do a show yeah, and that's resiliency and and the stepping up to challenges that you know that street performing hat. That's true. Yeah, yeah. You you never know what's happening in the street. Also, what is waiting for you in the street? You always need to be prepared for anything in the streets. So yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, woman in power. So I am so glad to hear that story. Like, wow, it Absolutely. is so impressive. So impressive. Also, you mentioned that like all female basket festival. First of all, like congratulations for that. You are the, I think, the first example of the first female basket festival. So I want to ask you about that a bit more right now. Like, okay, where did the idea come from to you? Well, uh, you may have heard that we had an election in 2016 in America that elected a man named Donald Trump. Yeah. And there was a very strong reaction to him from women. Mm-hmm. His march on Washington, I think, right around his inauguration and things like that. And I knew several women here who went to that. And I was just so impressed with the power that they had. Mm-hmm. And I realized that, oh, you know, if anything's going to change in this country, it's going to be the women. We're going to start it. We're going to start it first. And it took me a while to, you know, produce the Busker Festival after that because I just had everything else booked in advance. But once I was able to do that, I just I just wanted to show that, you know, the, the women are just as capable as anything else. And they're highly skilled and they know what to do and things like that. 
believe it or not, uh-huh. believe it or not, I was accused of being sexist. Oh. But <laughs> I know by putting on an all-female busker festival. Um, I thought that was a shame, but, I, you know, that's, I, I, it actually worked out. A little bit of conflict, believe it or not, Delara, actually helped. Yeah. You know, it, it, if people get upset, then it kind of generates more conversation and people talking about it, and it actually helps. So mm-hmm. I don't think. Yeah. Oh, like, I don't know. But, you know, it was a great example for me. And then as we talked, we also have a similar festival in Dubai in Women's March. Also, like, it also, like, gained so much attention from the audience. And also, like, also, like, seeing the female performers are performing together. Also, they're always supporting each other. They're just, like, sharing the thoughts and advices with, with each other. So, it was so lovely. And then, yeah, like, thank you. Thank you for doing this. I hope, you know, you can have maybe one more in the future as well. Oh, that would be awesome. I'd, I'd be happy to try it again. One thing I will share that we noticed uh on the last day of the festival is that the schedule everyone stayed on schedule the entire nobody went long no one went short no one everything stayed on schedule i mean that's that's worth it alone (laughs) having an all-women roster if everything stays on schedule i'll do it again right it's not a surprise though like i don't know like do you do you think that like is it easier to working with the female performers? Uh, it, it was easy. Um, it was, but I, I, I was quite aware of my own biases. And, you know, even as the producer of the all-female busker festival, I, I, my own awkwardness showed up and I realized where I was, you know, being biased as well at times in subtle ways. Mm-hmm. So, Brought that to light, and I had to be—I had to be—it had to be pointed out to me every now and then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's understandable. This is a learning process. Yeah. So, I want to ask you about the future of your festival. So, what is waiting for Lawrence Basker Festival in ten years? What are, What are your plans? <laughs> My God, I get tired just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll be honest with you, Delara. In ten years, I'll be seventy-six years old. So I don't think I don't think I'll be doing what I'm doing right now in terms of the festival. I may be out there, you know, inspiring people and you know, walking around and things like that. But hopefully, I'll have passed the baton off to some person or group mm-hmm. or things like going. Uh, we had. I would call a breakthrough year this year with the with the different site. It actually came, it felt more like a real festival where people were able to walk around and mill around and go from one place to the other without traffic or and and we had uh, we we went from having 16 vendors uh mm-hmm. having 40 event in in this year and that made a big difference too. So with that in mind, I think the Busker Festival is set up, you know, for several more years of success. Mm-hmm. Have well, we have a better idea of what we're doing, and yeah, a better product to give people. Yeah, I see. 
So do you do you think the increase of the number of the performers upcoming years? Do I? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Say that again. Increase the number of the performers. Increase? Uh, I might. That would require a budget increase too. <laughs> yeah, I can guess that. Yeah. Everything starts with the money, and uh, I've got to. I've got other production costs that I've got to meet as well. So. But I, what I will always do, though, is keep hiring the best performers. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I heard another producer on your podcast talk about that in particular, that it starts with the performers. Mm-hmm. And that's always the first choice I make when I plan a year. I find the right performers. And then I get excited. Yeah. You know, here's here's these people coming in. How can I present them in the best possible way? Mm-hmm. So I ask. I also want to ask that question. Like, how do you decide the performers? Like, do you have a special application process or? No, no. I'm, I wish. I wish. Uh, I wish I could and be there that way. But no, it's more curated. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I do pay attention to the emails that I get? And I get a lot of emails. Mm-hmm. But I, I also get suggestions from past performers mm-hmm. years. Place would be perfect for so and so, and I think, oh, cool, yeah, look into it, and 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 I also pay attention to the other busker festivals, mm-hmm. particularly uh, what they're doing there and who's showing up there and who's who's uh, you know having some success and things like that, and then I try to then I try to pick from that group. Okay, so you are the also like you are the one like who is deciding the performers at the end of the day. Yeah, um, well, it's actually me and several other people. I will go. I have other performer friends here in town, and we'll get together. And they've been involved with the festival with me, so we'll say, "What do you think about this person? How that happened? How that worked? You know, what about fix?" Um, and you know, the last thing I look at is uh, is traveling expense. That's the last thing. But in, this last year, we had people from England and Australia. Mm-hmm. And so, so I also want to ask it because, like, this is something the street performers might want to know. Like, are you covering the all the expenses and what giving fees to them, or just is it just the head money? Our, no, our, our our policy is our policy is that uh, it will not cost you anything. To, mm-hmm. We cover the traveling expenses, the lodging, the food. The transportation, all that, by being here, and then then we give them at least enough money for a rainout date. I see. You know, mm-hmm. something. And uh, then it's up to them how much money they make. Yeah. I want to I want to keep that incentive. You know, mm-hmm. look, your expenses are paid for, and you start at zero when you step on the pitch, and yeah. whatever money you walk away with is always up to you. Yeah. That's true. Uh, yeah. So, do you have any like special ed- recommendations for street performers for your festival? Like, do you want to say something to them right now? Because we are oh. giving the end of the our conversation. Our time is running out. <laughs> Gosh. Well, they say something hysterically inspirational at the wrap-up party every year. <laughs> I, you know, what what I realized. Uh, particularly in the last years, 
is that I, I am very much of a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. I am making people happy. And that's actually a diagnosis that a, that a counselor will tell you, well, you need to work on that. But I, I'm not going to work on that. I'm going to be a people pleaser. And I think I share that with all these other performers too. Because we all get a special feeling, a special kick when the people are happy because of something we did. And I see nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. So I want, yeah, as long as you're a performer that wants to please people, I will, I will support you. Yeah, oh, that's it. Well, that's wonderful. Like, I also consider myself as a people pleaser as well. But, you know, it, it just makes me happy. Like, in the bottom of my heart, I know it just, yeah. Yeah, when it, when it works, it works, you know. And I'll, maybe I'll go to a therapist later. <laughs> <laughs> But right maybe. now, I'm happy. Maybe. So... Thank you so much, Richard. Like, I don't know, do you want to add something more? So it was such a lovely conversation. Like, oh, no, like, I want to add some, one more thing. Like, I have one more question. Because you're a street performer, you say that. So, like, I mainly like working with the performers with you in Europe, Asia, but not from US. So can you tell us a bit? more about the like busking culture in u.s like how is it like um well it's very much influenced by europe and such uh there's only so many venues and festivals in in the u.s mm-hmm. that people can develop at primarily boston is is a big center for busking because they have faneuil hall That allows street performers there all the time. In fact, we have several street performers from abroad to perform there as well. Uh, Key West down in Florida has has a, a large area for street performing. Uh, San Francisco has the pier. And there's several. Oh, uh, 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 Pearl Street in Boulder is, is notorious for street performing as well. And, and we try to draw on all those cities and cultures mm-hmm. to find performers. Oh, and a lot of them do make it over to Europe. Uh, I know my friends with Her Majesty's Secret Sir were just recently in Fremantle in Australia, and then they were in Italy at another festival as well. So, so the American performers are out there. Yeah, they are. But I just wondered that, like, is there any, like, special regulations to perform in U.S.? Like, do you need to get a work permit? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> This application is a real chore. I am is so sad to say that America makes it really hard mm-hmm. here and work and perform. Uh, I actually, I had someone else filling out the visa applications for us in the past, and he didn't quite work out one year. And I realized, oh, maybe I should try this myself. So I did try it, my, mm-hmm. and I was able to get from from Melbourne, Australia to come over, but I was unable to get her husband, Ruben, to come over. And it was virtually the same visa and, and things like that and the same amount of work, but it just didn't work for him, unfortunately. So I have no guidance. The best I would say to someone who wants to come here uh, is get a dual citizenship. <laughs> <laughs> 
the best way you can get in here and perform. Um, it is it is so hard. I hate to say it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it is also like good to know for your audience because maybe like some of people thinking that uh, you know come to US and then perform, but yeah, it is a tough process. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It is a very great information. So thank you, Richard, once again. Thank you. Thank it was you. such a pleasure to talk with you. Like I hope I can uh, come and visit your festival this year in Lowell. Everyone. And everyone follow about a beer <laughs> if you drink good. beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and post it on social media. To catch all the latest from Dolphin Creative, you can follow us on Instagram at Dolphin Creative Events. See you in the next episode.